If you have a Bible this morning, and you'll read along in our scripture reading, we're going to take one from the book of Philippians, chapter 3. The book of Philippians, chapter 3. And we're going to begin reading in verse 17 and read down to verse 21. Again, Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 17 and reading to the end of the chapter in verse 21. Of course, this is Paul writing here, and he is writing to the church at Philippi from prison and give them these words of instruction today. Brethren, Be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as you have us for an ensample. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you, even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame. Who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. And that will conclude our reading this morning. And our title will come from verse 18 of our scripture reading this morning, the last half of that verse, or the last part of that verse. Our title this morning is Enemies of the Cross. Enemies of the Cross. Paul here, I'm not going to give a summation of the first two chapters, but I will look a little bit in earlier chapter 3. Paul here has warned the church at Philippi not to follow certain people, not to be grieved by them or pressed down by them, stopping them from doing what's right. And he references... The Jews, Jews that would try to come in and suppress the right way. And then he turns to some of my favorite scripture in all the Bible, beginning in verse 7, where he tells them, but what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. And I count all things but lost for the excellency, the knowledge of Christ my Lord, whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I might win Christ. Paul here, if you ever think that Christianity, true, pure Christianity, fundamental Christianity is not extreme, Paul overturns that idea right here. It is extreme. It's a loss of you in all of your entirety. Not for the sake of religion, but for the person of Jesus Christ. And he, I would love to preach on this, that, that whole part, because it's some of my favorite scripture to look at. 
Um, even Kathleen this week had mentioned some of this earlier portion of the scripture to me in her own studies. And, but Paul gets down here a little bit later after he has laid out this extreme path to lose it all. That you might win the knowledge of Christ. That you might be a fellow taker in his suffering. That you might have the resurrection power of Jesus Christ here on earth. You can experience the power of Christ in your life. That you might share the gospel and show the gospel. And that God's Holy Spirit, the same one that filled Christ in that tomb with life, can fill our mortal bodies with power to influence the world around us. And it's such inspiring truth about the Christian life. And Paul says that we might press towards the mark for the high calling of Christ, that we might apprehend, grab a hold of, why Christ has grabbed a hold of us. I just can't think of much more scriptures in all the Bible that makes me want to grab the marching orders and fight for souls of men. He tells us, he lays out this extreme path to many. It would appear extreme. And then it's as though he recognizes our natural response to such a call. And that is, let's look somewhere else. That's a little much. That's a little extreme. And what I have found in those people who are most deeply rooted in Christ is that people who desire to have a touch of religion, or rather this, those that desire to have the appearance of godliness but deprive it of all of its power, are scared of those who lay out what Paul has laid out here. And so rather than following Paul's instruction... And the way that Christ lays out in his word during his earthly ministry, they seek someone else to follow. And it's as though Paul anticipates that a group of people will have that compulsion to draw back and want to find some path otherwise that they can follow. And so he addresses that for a moment. And here in verse 17, he tells them as he's sitting in prison, as he has just instructed them that he has lost everything. He owns nothing. But that he is happy in that because in losing it all, his previous standing amongst the Pharisees and the religious sect, he had lost not only material things, but he had lost also the respect. He had lost the standing and power that comes with men. He had lost it all. And he tells them, Do that with me. Don't be afraid. Because what I have found is far greater than what I have lost. And you will find it to be the same. He says, be followers of me, the verse that we started with. And those who walk after the example that I've taught you. Now, for a moment, I want to speak to young people today and say this. There is no shortage in our world today of people who want a following. 
And their exposure and platform has only been heightened in the last 20 years with the advent or the advancement of technology. There are literally thousands and tens of thousands of people that have built themselves a platform advocating every sort of life and interest and hobby and lifestyle and end that you could ever imagine. It exists now. It's always existed, but access to it has not always existed to the extent that it does now. And now there are all these people who want a following. But let me just be frank this morning. There are few people in this life that are worth following. Most people, and we'll get to later on in the text where he exposes the same tendency that we see today was around back then and has always been around. But these people's end is not your welfare, not your good. They'll portray it as such. They'll portray a picture showing you what they can do for you. How much they can help you. How much you can be like them. And they'll reveal a part of their life which is perhaps enviable. But listen, those people are not people you want to follow. There are very few people in this life worthy of being followed. There are some. And Paul tells us in verse 17, he believed because of the course that he was set on and the focus and aim that he had, that he multiple times throughout the New Testament advocates, follow me because I'm following Christ. In so much as he is my goal, follow me. And when he ceases to be that, don't follow me. He says, those who are like me, in that regard, follow. But listen, young person, today I'm just, just, a person that's worthy of being followed is not somebody who has to be self-promoting, advertising, trying to gain followers. Those are not people you want to follow. You know, Jesus didn't do that. And who better to follow than Jesus Christ? But Jesus did not go around and whenever he'd go back with the disciples and contemplate the message and the events of the day, he didn't say, you know, I think after that when we lost some followers, we better tweak things. It's a downside to a a capitalistic mentality. Is that, well, if you don't like this brand, follow something a little bit different that you like a little bit more. We don't have that privilege when it comes to following Christ. We follow him, no questions asked. Here, he says this in verse 18 of our scripture reading. I, love, I find it interesting. I don't, I don't know what to make of it that he puts this in. And I don't know, I didn't look to see if this was the translators of the King James or if this was really a way that Paul did this. But he puts it in parentheses, like a side, an, an aside. So he's along this line of thinking, and then it's as though he steps out of that line temporarily for just a moment, and then he's going to step back into that line of thinking. And he steps out of that line of thinking to comment on those people who are wanting to be followed but should not be followed. And here's what he says. For many walk. I just told you there are many people who want to be seen and followed. 
He says here, then there are many people walking before you that want your following. No end to them. Of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping. Two things he tells you there. I've told you about these people often. Now, I found it fascinating as I was going through the book of Philippians in preparation for this message. How many times in the book of Philippians he talks about following someone. It's very frequent. First, he talks about himself in in chapter one. Then he talks about those who are preaching Jesus out of envy and strife. Then he goes into chapter two and perhaps the most beautiful Well, it is in this book, in the book of Philippians, the center of this book, he begins to focus on Christ and he says, now let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And he begins to exalt Christ and the humility and servant-mindedness that Christ have. And he says this at the beginning of that, let this mind be in you that was found in him. Or in other words, have the mind of Christ and follow him. After he goes to Jesus himself, those who preach Jesus of envy and strife, he points out Jesus himself. Then he goes to Timothy and Epaphroditus. Two men who were followers in his cause. And he gets to the beginning of chapter 3 and he warns them about people who are going to try to lead them that are of the circumcision, Judaizers. He says, beware of them. And then he comes to himself. So one of the, the, the things of this book that is interweaved throughout here is he's constantly talking about people who to follow and people who you shouldn't follow. And so... Not only just when he was there in person was he warning them often about pointing out people not to follow and those to follow, but even in this very book, he continues that instruction of pointing to those to follow and pointing those you shouldn't follow. But then he tells us the spirit in which he was doing it. Some people will warn you not to follow others to garner your following. Some people will warn you not to follow others or will criticize others so as to bring preeminence to themselves. You ever seen somebody who puts somebody else down in order to lift themselves up? That's why a lot of people put people down. It's because what they're trying to tell you is, can't you see they're so bad? That's not what they're trying to say. They're trying to say, can't you say I'm so great? Paul doesn't do that. Paul, like Jesus, is not looking for a following so that he can see how many Twitter followers he has. That's not what he's doing. He's not concerned with popularity. Because he says, as I warned you often about these people, even so now I am warning you, but I am weeping as I write this letter about these people. Why? Well, he says because they're enemies of the cross of Christ. Now, I really want you to hear me this morning on this because as I was reading this, that word enemies is a very strong word. And it speaks, it it suggests to us what we see perhaps going on in the world between two Enemy combatants. 
people who I know you're trying to kill me, and I'm trying to do the same to you. But as I consider the next verse, I don't think that's what Paul is saying. I don't think he's talking about people who have come out and said, I am your enemy, I am seeking to destroy you. I don't think that's what those people are saying. And I think the next verse reveals that to us. It made me think of, of something that takes place in our house periodically. We have a playroom above our garage, and it's the boys' responsibility to clean up now. But here, just a few months ago, before we had taught them how to do that and made that their responsibility, at times we would go upstairs, Kathleen and I, and we'd spend probably a couple hours sorting things and organizing things and putting things where they need to go. And we'd be up there working and communicating with one another and putting everything where it had to go. And then inevitably, some of our kids would come up there and the very thing that I just spent an hour organizing, what would they do? Unknowingly, dump it out. And I would say, no, 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 no. I'd yell at them, right? And I'd get a little too fired up about it. And, and what was happening is, they were an enemy to my objective. They didn't know my objective. They didn't know it, but they were ignorant of it. But my eyes were fixed on accomplishing something. And yet these people unknowingly came in and became enemies. That's exactly what it is. That's why I got so upset. Is because they are unknowingly working entirely counter to what I am trying to do. And in so doing, they become enemies of the task I'm trying to complete. I think that's what Paul's talking about here. I think he's saying there are people who come in and that's why he's weeping. Because these people are doing it ignorantly. They don't realize the consequences and implications if they continue down that path and the people that they have garnered a following from continue following, they don't understand the gravity of what they have done. And so Paul is weeping. I want to sit back for a moment and say, I I can really sympathize with this right here for this reason. Uh, For a number of years when I was growing up as as, as a middle school kid, high school kid, I was a really big fan of, of NBA basketball and professional basketball. And to an unhealthy degree, like most little boys, you know, you begin to idolize those people. You begin to really make them your role models and, and, and really follow after them to some degree. And you want to know everything about their life and statistics and all those things. And like most little boys, that's the way I was. And I had cards of them and I would seek to get autographs from them and all these different things. It's pretty common to, to childhood. And then I became a little concerned as I got older because I realized it's not what it all appears. They're they're not people that you should emulate. The majority of them are not people that you should emulate. But even more than that, what they do became very disturbing to me. I hear people a lot of times say, There's nothing wrong with X. Or there's nothing wrong with Y, sports, music, academics, whatever it might be. Be careful. Be careful saying that. These men, these entertainers, their whole life, everything about them and their life revolves around a game. And Satan places it before our culture as merchandise, tempting merchandise. 
where he dangles a lifestyle. He dangles a culture. He dangles a mindset, an obsession, where grown men will spend tens of thousands of dollars merely to get within feet of the presence of these people, elevating them to a place where they can have great effect upon our culture and the words that they say are esteemed and valued to a degree well past what they ought to be. Now, I think many of these men, many of these entertainers don't have some malevolent intent, but the reality is if you go to verse 18 and we start backwards, the fundamental problem with what they're doing is that their life is oriented on earthly things. They have esteemed the end of it all as that which is earthly. And here, look at what Paul says. If we look at verse 18 and we start backwards and work our way up, it helps us to reveal the concern we ought to have, when, or, or, we, the, the decision we ought to make on who to follow. Paul reveal, reveals who we shouldn't, what their mindset is fixed on. Look what he says in verse 18. Here are the enemies of the cross of Christ. What's their focus? He tells us at the very end. Who mind earthly things. Politics. Sports. Science. Education. Religion. All of those things can be or are earthly things. And when these people who are trying to lead us and who we're looking to follow... When we recognize that their end goal, their mindset is upon earthly things. And that's what they're ultimately promoting. That's what they're selling to you. That's what they're trying to get you to follow them in their path. Paul is telling us they're the enemies of the cross of Christ. When that is the end. Now listen, a comment must be made here to say, listen, I'm not not saying that we just ignorantly don't try to learn how to function and do things that we can't have a, a ball game that we watch on occasion. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a mindset that you are actively following. The word in verse 18, he says, for many walk. When you read walk in the scriptures, it's talking about a lifestyle, a way of living. And Paul is saying, those people who want you to emulate their way of living... Their mind is focused on earthly things. I would say this morning without any hesitation, regardless of the extreme it may sound, if a person is set on you following them and their mind is solely fixed on earthly things, beware. Beware of them. Guard against if you hear a person say, you know, that person's so educated and and they esteem them. And then at the very end they say, but they're not saved, they're not a Christian, they don't believe in God. Whoa. Whoa. Be careful. It's like saying, well, I built a really beautiful house, but it's built on the sand. It's built in a next to a volcano. It's built somewhere where, listen, no matter how beautiful it looks, the foundation has to be right. He says, beware of those people who their mind is set upon earthly things. Why? Well, let's work our way up. Whose glory is their shame? Their pride, what they glory in, is what they ought to be ashamed of. What does the Bible say in Proverbs 31 about a woman? Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, 
but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Young ladies this morning, let me tell you this. Every TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat, Snapchat beauty that tries to garner your following and you want to emulate this actress, this influencer, and they're focused upon external appearance, how talented you can sing, how beautiful you can look, how charming that you can be, and that's their end. Don't follow them. Don't even play with it. Don't even associate with it. Because listen, it's a slippery slope. You start down that path and you become enticed by it and slowly what you find is that those ideas infect your mind a lot deeper than what you initially suspect. Favor, it says, is deceitful. Beauty is vain. It's empty. So who do you need to follow, young ladies? A woman that fears the Lord. Someone who you look at their life and it's not perfect. And it's not Instagram worthy. It's not Facebook worthy. But in everything that they're doing, despite the setbacks, despite the failures, despite their own sins that often beset them, their orientation and mindset is, I want to please the Lord and leave all of my followers closer to him. That's somebody to follow. Here he says, whose glory, they ought to be, shameful about their self-promotion, but they're not. They glory in it. They're prideful over it. And I've heard many people speak about these qualities of certain athletes. They just wanted to go and they didn't care about being friends with anybody. They didn't care about being kind to anybody. They didn't care. They were just set on destroying everybody they came across. I think, well, that's successful for competition. But that's earthly. You'll win the earthly competition, but guess what you'll lose? The person you're competing against soul and your influence on them. And what good will that do you? And then he tells us what motivates them. Whose God is their belly? Or in other words, you know what they're seeking after? It has nothing to do with your, your well-being. It has nothing to do with your good. What is it? It's to satisfy self. You know, that's what is amazing to me when I listen to politicians, when I listen to famous people get up and, and is how when you really listen to their words through a biblical worldview and lens, how clear their selfishness becomes. But when you compare them to someone like them, it may not seem that bad. But when you recognize, no, no, everything you're saying is completely the opposite of what Christ advocates for all of his followers. It's the opposite of it. Why? You know, I think of the one, you, live, you only live once, YOLO. Or live like you were dying. Famous country song not too long ago. Or you be you. All of those are catchphrases, super popular today. 
ideas like multiculturalism, every culture is equal, every religion is equal. The idea that we ought not to submit to authority and those that are our elders, that we ought to have respect for them. All of that are cultural norms that are completely antithetical to what the Bible teaches. And listen to me, if you're following a young person, that ought to be your first sign you better be careful. What ought young people to do? Well, the Bible gives us pretty clear instruction. Follow those who have walked the path a little longer than you have. You know, there's a thing in religion today, and I don't want to get too far off track here. There's a thing in religion today where you have these youth groups. And the youth group is led by a youth, just a little bit older than the youth they're leading. And that's always been very strange to me. Where is that pattern in the scriptures? Or do we not find the opposite of that over and over and over? Young people, young children, teenagers, young men, young women, early adults, early parents, who ought they to follow? The older men and the older women. Here Paul tells us, why? Why, do, why are young people so dangerous to follow? Because their God is their belly usually. They want self-satisfaction. And then he tells us the final thing that's worth noting here, and that is this. Here's the ultimate reason you shouldn't follow them. Whose end is destruction. Let's suppose for a moment you become, as a young man, you surpass Michael Jordan. Right? A lot of people say he's the GOAT, greatest of all time. And you have... All the world saying, you know what? This, new per- this person, they're better. And you patterned yourself after in every way. Every athlete you ever wanted to follow. And you surpass all of them. And you become the new standard. And your whole life has been devoted to that. Let's say you're an entrepreneur. And Mark Cuban is a man who you just admire beyond, beyond uh, anyone else because of all that he's done. And all that he's accomplished. Let's say you're a, a young lady who wants to uh, be somebody notable in, in whatever field that you desire to be notable for. And we could take all of these examples and let's say you surpass that and you accomplish your quote dream and you have the one you were following, you have now surpassed. And now people are following you in that path. Let me ask you a question. What's the fate of going that path? What's the end of it? When you become a Harvard Law professor and everybody thinks you're the brightest and most brilliant. When you're the politician that all other politicians in the world look up to and you're the president of the United States. And you've reached your pinnacle. What is the end of that path? That is the missing piece in all of public education today is no matter what they promote for the well-being of the person, what I want to shout from the rooftops is, but where is the end of that? Where does it go? And Paul tells us this, whose end is destruction. You know what it'll do for you whenever you begin to view the world from the lens of, but where does your path lead me to the end of? it really ruins your desire to follow most of the people you want to follow. Because you can say something like this, I can only go so far with you. 
You ever had a friendship like that? You ever had somebody who you were extremely compatible with? And then when it came to the subject of a real born-again experience, belief in God, the truths of his word, you can't, you can't go any farther with them. And so you, you want so badly for that friendship to deepen. You want it to spread into other areas of your life, but constantly it comes to that same impasse. And a lot of Christians will compromise. And they'll say, well, it's not that big of a deal. I'll continue to follow that wherever it might lead. I would say I wish that I could. But listen, if all the things that I get along with them about is only aiding them down a path that ultimately leads to their own destruction, it's a tough path for me to walk. It has its limitations. It begins to narrow. You want a a litmus test for following somebody? Ask, what is the end of the path they're leading you to? Paul says, most of them are destruction. And that's why he says, those people are enemies of Christ, of the cross of Christ. Why? Because in the cross... There's a death that takes place of you and everything you would ever want to. Everything worldly dies at the cross. The further that I go in my Christian walk with God, the farther that I press towards the mark of the high calling of Christ, the more painful it becomes because the more I see the sin in myself that it is so deeply rooted inside of me and that for me to continue to take another step down the path that Christ has laid out for me, he must pluck up another thing that I have rooted over years and years and years into my life, into my walk, that he says, if you'll come further, that must go. And so sometimes I say, well, then I don't want to go further because I want this so badly. And then sometimes I see somebody walk ahead of me a little bit and they reflect a little more of the beauty of Christ and I look at what is keeping me here and that they have forsaken that and they've walked a little further and I look down and I say, well, but I, but I have to give this up and this is a sacred thing that I've clung on to. And Jesus' words don't say, well, then just try to naturally incorporate it. with." No, he doesn't say that. He says, forsake all and follow me. And then when I do root it up and I take that extra step and I get closer to that fellowship with who he is and I begin to experience his presence in a way that I never have before, I stand marveling at the fact that I let something so shallow root me so deeply. This morning, Paul continues, he says this. Why is this important? Because our citizenship is in heaven. You know, I love that he calls us to this. He he says, he takes this aside and he says, essentially, he, he begins to reason with us. Why would you follow the earthly? And then it's like he steps back to the conversation. He says, our citizenship is in heaven. Where God dwells. And we wait his return. And when he does, 
He's going to change. Verse 21 says, he's going to change this vile body. And everything that desired to follow all of those earthly ambitions are immediately at one moment going to be dissolved instantly. Now think about that. You're going to follow somebody on a path whose end leads to destruction. And in a moment when Christ returns, everything for the purpose you followed him will instantly dissolve and be gone forever, all of eternity. You know, in in heaven, Michael Jordan is not going to be famous. You know that? Nobody's going to sit around. You know, that's what they'll say whenever a great athlete dies or a great person dies. You know, I bet they're just sitting in heaven arguing who's the greatest. I mean, that sounds like a good fantasy that you could have on your own. But listen, that's not what they're doing. If they finish the course on the path that they were following, listen to me closely. They're agonizing deeply out of every, about every moment they spent walking that path and leading others to follow it. They don't find any joy in the afterlife after what they've done. This morning, I especially in my mind have young people on my mind. Be careful who you follow. They will not advertise themselves as enemies of the cross of Christ. Most of them will not. But just like my sons who had inadvertently come up and ruined everything I was seeking to do, these people will do the same. But the difference is, in my experience, I can right what they have wronged. I can clean up again what they've destroyed. But if your soul slips into eternity, unprepared, listen to me, and you follow that person all the way there, there's no hope. There's no second chance. Rather, I believe the times in this life where God called you from that path to follow the true and the living God will echo in your mind over and over and over. This morning, I'd encourage you, don't follow anyone who does not lead you to the cross of Jesus Christ. And when you find somebody who will, follow them as devotedly and intensely as you possibly can. That's our message this morning. Sister Ashley, if you'd get for us a song, I encourage you this morning. If you don't know the Lord and you feel compelled to come and pray, we have a bench up here up front. You're certainly welcome to come pray here. I would encourage parents and grandparents today, talk to your kids about this. Be concerned who they're following. I've I've met with too many distraught parents who their kids hit a certain age and they could not understand why they deviated. And yet the seeds of it were planted very early through their parents' tolerance of following someone they thought was just harmless. And what they didn't realize, well, no, it wasn't harmless. Yeah, it wasn't vulgar, and it wasn't sexual, and it wasn't drugs. But it was earthly. It was earthly. And they, they seduced their heart, and they won their heart, 
and you go back to them with the message that Paul tells us in Philippians 3 about losing everything for the cause of Christ, that's a hard one to sell when they have found what their heart longs and desires. This morning, I pray God would use this in especially the young people's hearts today. Sister Ashley, let's have a song.